Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and in this episode, my co-host Peter Glassford is chatting with Marco Altini, the creator of the HRV for Training app, which is available for iPhones and Androids. So his app is fantastic for measuring HRV without needing a heart rate monitor. You just need your finger and your phone. Uh, HRV, for those who are unfamiliar with it, stands for heart rate variability, and simply put, it measures the variation in space between beats. Okay, so that's not super simple. Uh, But why it matters is pretty simple. Uh, Your HRV can indicate whether or not you need to take a break, which is hugely important for any athlete, but especially for one with a lot of life stress outside of sport, where it can be kind of hard to tell if you're fully recovered or not. Uh, As a coach and a racer, Peter's been using HRV for a long time himself and for his clients, so he can dial in their training using an actual measurable indicator of stress, rather than just relying on an athlete to admit that he or she is feeling sort of down on any given day. And Marco, who's now based in the tech mecca of San Francisco, holds a PhD and not only makes apps like his HRV one for athletes, he makes a comparable app and gadget for expectant moms. Side note, mom, if you're listening, don't get too excited when he and Peter start talking about pregnancy. He's just asking about the science behind the tech, not for our personal use. I will warn you ahead of time, these two get pretty deep into some technical aspects of the science behind HRV, but it's definitely worth listening to the whole thing if you've ever found yourself asking the question of, should I train today? Uh, HRV might have your answer. I know for myself, I recently started experimenting with taking my HRV in the morning, and it's been super interesting watching how the number changes depending on what I did the day before. Uh, Side note, I also love it for the forced meditation where you have to take five minutes to focus on your breathing. Uh, You could also do it for just one or two minutes, but I really like the five. Uh, You sometimes don't realize how much stress is put on your body by non-athletic things. Case in point, Monday was a travel day for me, uh, which meant an early 5 a.m. wake up and about 10 hours in airports and in the car. Uh, I did a nice long walk once I got to my destination, but absolutely no hard training. However, my HRV the next morning was the highest that it's been, and the suggestion that the app gave me was that I take it easy. As someone who spends a lot of time traveling and then going extra hard in training to make up for that missed training day, seeing my HRV and starting to understand the toll that travel does take on me has really changed the way I'm looking at travel days and making up for them. So without further ado, here is Marco and Peter's conversation about HRV. Enjoy. Awesome. So I'm here with Marco Altini, and we also have Molly on the line today. Uh, I am saying your name right, right, Marco? Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. And where are you right now? You're in San Francisco? Yeah, I am in San Francisco. Awesome. So we're talking tech startups today. We're talking HRV and recovery and what that means for you. Um, So yeah, let's dive right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit, just a quick bio, where are you from? I know you've journeyed a lot. Um, and, and why yeah. you got interested, you know, you've done a lot of schooling and research and stuff, why you got interested in this idea of tracking and HRV? Okay, so, um, well, I have a background in computer science engineering. Uh, I'm originally from Italy, where I did my bachelor and master's. Uh, then I moved to the Netherlands, where I started working more with um, wearable technology and physiological data. 
Uh, I did my PhD there, which was uh, in applied machine learning. Um, let's say in the context of monitoring activities and energy expenditure and estimating uh, VO2 max or cardiovascular fitness using these wearable sensors data. And as I was working with that, um, it was, uh, let's say, five years ago when I started, then you started having, you know, better phones and uh, better iPhones and more sensors, not only on the body, but actually on the phone. And I started, you know, thinking about uh, how can we use this technology or uh, these phones to start tracking some of these parameters? Um, and, and that's when I started, you know, working with them, developing this technology that lets you measure at the beginning heart rate and then heart rate variability using the phone camera. As uh, heart rate variability is, you know, one of the parameters that are uh, um, linked to physiological stress and to some of the things I was working on, uh, I started getting, you know, in the order of ideas of trying to develop something which anyone could access because the work I was doing was always with, uh, you know, prototypes and sensors that we had in the labs at the company, but that no one could actually access. So I wanted, you know, to get closer to, uh, you know, users and potentially uh, let anyone use this kind of technology and algorithms I was developing without having to be constrained, uh, you know, to being only uh, research topics. And and so you went then, so all of that was in, in Europe, and then at that point you then went to San Francisco? And suddenly, so basically after my PhD, well, actually during my PhD, uh, then... Uh, um, we first uh, spinned off uh, with a company, which is Bloom, which is the, actually the main reason why I'm here in San Francisco, which is uh, another startup where we work uh, on similar technology, as a matter of fact. Um, so we develop technology which can be used to track physiological changes during pregnancy. So the idea is that, uh, you know, there are many unknowns around pregnancy and pregnancy complications. And by tracking, for example, the activity of the uterus or cardiac activity, we try to figure out um, what is, let's say, a normal, um, normal changes for a specific person. And when you, you know, uh, things are not going that linear, if we can, you know, figure it out before, uh, potentially promote better interventions or uh, simply trying to understand what are the links between um, some of the issues and unknowns and physiological changes, monitoring, again, longitudinally over time at home, which is something, you know, well, let's say unique data we can that we cannot um, analyze otherwise. So we moved here about uh, two years ago starting doing this, uh, finishing my PhD in the Netherlands, and uh, at the same time, uh, continuing to develop HIV for training. So I would say there are some common lines um, between the two, meaning the, the main idea of developing, you know, a simple tool uh, that you would release to the consumer, uh, potentially collecting data from thousands of people, and then starting by using this data to understand what are the links between physiological changes, lifestyle, uh, in one context, pregnancy outcome, in the other one, uh, training and performance, but still 
with the idea that by having so much data from all of these people with different characteristics, you could start uh, stratifying and understanding better what are these uh, um, changes and links, which you cannot normally investigate in uh, small clinical studies with just you know the usual 10, 20 people uh, with similar characteristics. Yeah, and that's definitely an awesome feature in your app, the HRV for training app, um, is that sort of how do I stand relative to other people? Um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I definitely want to get into that, but I want to sort of do this in a linear fashion because I, I know now everyone's probably excited or anyone who's interested in babies is probably excited about the blue map. <laughs> Because um, I actually didn't even know about that until recently when we were sort of talking about doing this podcast. I was like, oh, wow, there's this whole other thing. I'm like, you got so many startups. I'm so jealous of all your <laughs> startups. Um, but you're, you're sitting there thinking probably like if you only knew how much work this is. Um, <laughs> yeah, pros and cons. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so let's we'll, we'll talk about the pregnancy thing. And I could see, you know, if, if we have a few listeners that we know that are, are pregnant for sure. And so, I mean, that might be something that we'll even have you back on maybe someday. Um, to, to talk more specific to that, you know, the changes in pregnancy, but I mean, I have five questions already on that. So, (laughs) um, so what I'm thinking is let's, let's go just keep it, you know, what are we talking about here? Cause we haven't quite introduced the, what HRV is, um, and sort of maybe just a quick intro to your app. So first, what is HRV? Simple terms. What is it? Okay. So, uh, artery variability or HRV is uh, referring to the fact that uh, our heart does not beat at a constant frequency. So let's say even if your heart rate is uh, 60 beats per minute, you don't have a beat every second. But, you know, it's after 1.2 seconds, 0.8, there is always some differences. And what we measure with artery variability, we define, we have metrics, let's say, to quantify how much these uh, beats variate between each other. And um, as a matter of fact, these variations are related to um, your autonomic nervous system function, and in particular to uh, one of the branches, which is uh, the parasympathetic one, and which is the one which is in charge of, uh, let's say, uh, resting activities and recovery. So what this means is that by measuring heart rate variability, you can try to understand uh, the level of uh, rest and recovery, and let's say on the, other, the, the opposite, which is stress, um, which is, um, let's say, on your body. So we use these simple metrics as a proxy to physiological stress, physiological stress, which is due to... Um, basically anything that happens in our lives, but in particular, uh, as training is um, one of the major stressors uh, on the cardiovascular system, that's typically an application where uh, we have good results at applying this technology because uh, it's easier to capture and to quantify um, workouts with respect to, for example, uh, other psychological stressors. Awesome. So basically we have, you know, if we are going to start exercising, our sympathetic system kicks in, um, you know, our heart rate goes up and we would expect that heart rate variability to decrease, right? So our body's under exactly. stress. Is that, yeah. is that true? 
And then, and then we recover and we would expect a more parasympathetic or they call it rest and digest, I think is sometimes used. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you're trying to track that, that balance and see, you know, how much stress is our body under, right? Yes. So typically after a workout, you would have indeed much lower heart rate variability and, uh, this reduction then, uh, will last for some time, which is typically, typically, uh, 24 or 48 hours and that's why you can measure it the day after in the morning um, and try to capture let's say uh, how much you recovered and uh, if you have recovered uh, enough to withstand another intense workout or if you should uh, let's say take it easier for another day and get to you know full recovery Right. And then the other level to this is it's not just exercise. That's a one that we can understand easily. But if I'm really stressed because I'm working or not sleeping or traveling, then our body is again, you know, it's stressed. It's under some sort of load. And exactly. we, would see, we would also see a response there as well then. Exactly. So uh, as a matter of fact, we cannot uh, really discriminate between the two as phys- physical stress due to workouts or psychological stress. Uh, due to other factors in our lives, they have pretty much the same impact on the way we measure it through heart rate variability. So that's why it's always important, you know, to take these measurements uh, and I would say contextualize them. So annotating other things that are going on, which is something, for example, that you can do in the HRV for training app. After you measure, you know, the app would ask you um, a bunch of questions about your current lifestyle, your recent trainings, and all these things that then are uh, key in uh, making sense of the data that would be otherwise hard to interpret if we just have um, measures of physiological stress. Yeah, and that's really the awesome thing. Like, that's why I got talking to you. Uh, You know, I've tried a lot of different apps uh, over the years. I mean, I remember using polar heart rate monitors 10 years ago and we'd have to upload the file and then strip out the actual raw data and then find yeah. the HRV segments. And, you know, I'm not even a scientist. So, I mean, we we're probably doing it wrong at the best of times. Yeah. And, you know, you have this Excel sheet and trying to make sense of it. But then at the end of it, you just have these numbers going up and down. And like you say, we don't have any idea of, okay, well, did I travel for 48 hours before that? Or did I do an intense workout or a long workout? You know, how, what, what makes that HRV change? What makes the results change? So the really intriguing thing to me is that your app lets you really customize the metrics that we collect, Um, you know, soreness, fatigue, irritability, um, yes, hours trying, of sleep. Well, you Any, know, a- a- anything, right? Yeah, we are trying to add more and more of these uh, uh, tags, we call them, and also let people create their own. Uh, if you have some other specific things you want to track, and then you can, you know, run correlations inside the app, or we analyze for you um, different metrics, for example, the relation between. Uh, so w- when you look at our variability, something we look at is what we call acute changes, which means simply that you look at the change in HRV or in heart rate the day following a workout. So normally you would expect your heart rate to be slightly higher if you did a very intense workout and your heart rate variability to be uh, lower if you did an intense workout because it means that your body is more stressed. So this kind of analysis is already in the app, which would look at this systematically 
over a period of two, three months and um, help you understand how you are responding to trainings. Uh, and typically we see quite strong uh, links, especially on these aspects, um, when we look at uh, people that have uh, as their main stressors in, in their life um, training, which is uh, many of the HRV for training users, as uh, it is definitely people that have uh, a strong interest uh, in these aspects. Right. The people that are going to spend the time and, you know, to do all these extra measurements and stuff are usually pretty serious athletes. So Yeah, exactly. Um, so a couple ideas there that I think, again, if people are looking at, oh, I don't know about this HRV, should I spend this time each morning? Um, mm -hmm. So you, you said that, one, we're able to, over time, see how do we respond after our hard training, and we should see our HRV drop usually after intense, and then yeah. go up after an off day or up after sort of a longer volume day. Yeah. Um, so now if I found that that wasn't true, mm -hmm. would that be an indication that maybe my hard days aren't hard enough or that I'm not adapting or what do you think with that? I think, uh, yeah, there's, there can be different, different reasons. Um, I would say it depends a lot also on, uh, other stressors in your life again. So, uh, is training, you know, the main cause of stress for your body? Or uh, are there other reasons uh, that give you trouble and then might explain uh, these other differences in uh, physiological responses, which is not what you would expect? So we analyzed this data. Even uh, recently, we published a paper um, looking at a decent sample of the HRV for training user base. This was back uh, last fall, I think. So it was about 800 people. Uh, that use the app uh, between uh, three weeks and five months continuously. And we looked systematically at their um, acute HRV changes and heart rate changes. So we could see there that there is consistent reductions in HRV after uh, what people would self-report as intense trainings with respect to easy trainings or no trainings. So these are differences which are um, quite consistent. Similarly, though, um, it is not always the case, indeed, if uh, you have a very busy lifestyle. For example, um, last year I was doing much traveling, and if I was looking at these analyses in my data, I would not see the expected changes simply because uh, my physiology was all over the place due to, you know, the intercontinental flights and jet lag and uh, work stress and all other factors that so had the much uh, stronger role, let's say, than uh, my not that intense workouts, right? Especially not being right. um, an athlete. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for, I work, I, I coach athletes and a lot of them are masters athletes. So they have family and work and they're, you know, busy executives or whatever. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's tempting to look at something like uh, training stress score, you know, just based off of wattage you know, on yeah. a bike, yeah. um, or, or they now have heart rate too, that you can use. But the problem is, like you say, you miss that intercontinental flight or, you know, you know, you're all these people do, you know, up all night with kids or whatever. And yeah, so yeah. if the goal at the end of it is to decide what we should do today for training, and then also track improvements over time, then, you know, again, this HRV offers like a, a pretty easy thing where we are able to get those insights.
Yeah, I think especially actually in this, uh, maybe people with a less linear lifestyle, it can be uh, of greater interest maybe to measure these variables, even though you might not be and uh, you know end up exploring the relation between training and HRV, but it would still quantify the physiological stress uh, that you're going through. And then it could help understanding when you can uh, go harder on your trainings based on periods in which uh, your physiological stress is uh, looking better. Right. And so that's where the app on the day-to-day, you know, we were talking sort of chronic there. We can see over time the HRV is trending upwards. Um, but day-to-day, the app, basically, you take your measurement. The great thing about your app that I love is that you can use your finger on the, the phone camera. Yeah. Um, so you don't need, I used to always have to have heart rate straps, and then it'd be the morning and you weren't sweating, so the heart rate strap wouldn't pick up, or there'd be errors yeah. in the file. So now you have, you know, just your finger on the screen, you know, you're you guys are big on the one minute validation or the one minute test time. Yeah. Um, but you can certainly do there's your apps again, customizable. You can do a couple different variations on the morning test, but one minute finger goes on the camera and then you fill out your couple little metrics. Like we're saying soreness and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then the phone spits out and it tells you basically compared to your baseline. So your mm-hmm. chronic sort of HRV and then compared to yesterday, um, sort of what you should do. Um, it gives exactly. sort of a, so basically, yeah, we we try to standardize this protocol a bit, right? So uh, you're not in the lab anymore taking the measurement, but at the same time, it's important to you know try to have a consistent morning routine. Uh, do it always in the same body position and you know the same breathing pattern. So we have like a guide for that as well. And, you know, try to keep uh, these factors always similar across measurements as they have an impact on on what you would be measuring otherwise. And then once we, you know, you have your consistent morning routine, which indeed it's, um, we we try to make it as simple as possible, especially with the uh, the camera-based measurement that you don't need. Uh, a chest strap or you know to wake up and go to the bathroom and get the chest strap humid and everything that you need to do because otherwise it would not pick up the signal as you were saying so once you have these measurements uh, the way we use them is always to compare them only with respect to yourself as that's the only meaningful way of using this data because you want to understand more or less what is your uh, baseline HRV so which is something uh, that might be dependent also on many factors, some of, of them being uh, outside of your control, even just you know genetics. So you have a certain baseline, but then how you deviate from that baseline um, is typically very well representative of the level of physiological stress. So on a given morning, if your score is much lower than what is normal to you, there is probably something going on and it's, um, Definitely a good idea then to, uh, let's say, listen to your body, try to figure out why and possibly um, take it easier on that day. Right. Now, lower or higher, right? Like, because you could certainly, if you didn't sleep at night or, you know, you did a huge, huge training day the day before, you could see a higher number. Is that true? So um, let's say that while lower, it's clear that is uh, your body is more stressed typically and uh 
you should take it easier. When you have a much higher score, um, it is not necessarily bad. Uh, the way we we try to interpret this right now is uh, more from a statistical point of view, let's say. So you have all your values, right? And you have values which are uh, your normal values, so where most of your data normally is. And when you are outside of this range, being that uh, below or above, by definition, you, ha you have some sort of abnormal score. And then in that case, we need to look at other parameters to try to understand if that's uh, okay or if it, that's something that should be uh, looked at more carefully. So for example, when you have maybe on a much uh, higher uh, HRV on a given day, we start looking at how your recent trends changed at your uh, subjective uh, physiological, uh, your subjective parameters, for example, uh, as you were saying, also like how did you sleep and uh, what's uh, you know your uh, perceived performance in the past few trainings, your motivation to train. So we try to combine these parameters to see uh, if we can get to a better understanding of your overall condition, especially in the situations in which you are a bit outside of what are your normal physiological values. Okay. So this okay. goes a bit. I think that makes it. sense. Yeah. Yeah, because you know before we had more of a, uh, an understanding that higher HRV score were always considered positively as your body is supposedly more relaxed and uh, and the, your parasympathetic activity is higher. But in certain situations, it is not the case. Uh, so by taking this more statistical approach, I think, and combining multiple parameters, we can get. Um, to a more accurate assessment of what's uh, the overall condition. And like you say, you know, so many users, you know, are maybe serious, but I mean, a lot of people have real life to deal with. They're not, you know, full-time yeah. endurance athletes, you know, but um, so more of this higher where we're getting, I guess you'd call it maybe par parasympathetic overtraining or just overtraining, you might mm -hmm. see like that really high HRV value, really low resting heart rate, um, but then if you add that context, those tags that you have of feeling slow, bad sleep, muscle soreness or whatever, you might, you know, it might be obvious, right? That, yeah, yeah it's out absolutely. of, it's, so I like that if it's out of your normal, then you need to do some thinking on, you know, what should you do, right? Like, is yeah. this, is this positive adaptation or not? Exactly. Um, and that's good, right? Because a lot of athletes don't, they need that thing right like they might have soreness they might not have slept but then nothing's really saying like something's out of normal right and they need that objective yeah. measure right and the coach needs that objective measure to see like yeah something physiologically isn't you know in the in the norm yeah exactly i think uh, this is also a good complement to um other um, methods which are normally used you know when especially uh, i would say elite triathletes and so then you um, always look at acute and chronic training load and you know you have your targets and your um you also try to look at the ratio of the two to understand you know injury risk as increasing acute training load too much uh, might mean that you are putting much more load than your body is used uh, to to take, and then you might be at higher injury risk. But at the same time, all these metrics, they do not take into account how your body is actually responding, right? So there is no physiological assessment. And I think it's it's good, especially in this uh, at that level, 
to start complementing, uh, let's say, more traditional measurements of um, acute and chronic training load and injury risk with actual physiological measurements of um, recovery and also fitness with heart rate to try to understand better on a daily basis, um, you know, uh, what small changes and adaptations you can do to try to optimize performance in the long run. Um, okay, so now my next question, I think, on the app is, would you, so say I'm doing double days, which again, might be, you know, more your elite athlete, but I do have, you know, certain, you know, executive athletes, and they'll do, you know, a short morning workout or a strength workout, and then do a endurance ride or something later in the day. Do you look at or recommend using the app, you know, during a day? Um, you know, if I before I do my second workout, you know, would, it, so, would a second um, reading make sense for those double days? I would always recommend uh, to stick to the morning routine. Um, mm-hmm. So if you do double days, um, eventually you put more stress uh, on the body, but it doesn't, like what matters is the, is the overall um, stress that you went through through the various workouts you did. So for the app, it doesn't matter uh, if you did one or three workouts, it depends basically what was the overall intensity of this day. Uh, and that's what you capture the morning after because you capture the overall stress. You cannot uh, simply capture um, one workout or the other, right? Because uh, it's your physiological stress uh, on your body. Uh, so I would say to stick to the, to the normal daily routine uh, which gives you know um, some constraints and the uh, context that makes interpretation easier, uh, because otherwise, if you measure after one workout or before another, uh, you introduce some other unknown variables in there, which would make uh, interpretation more complicated. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, I've just seen that a few other apps, and I've seen in like the MMA world them saying that like you could take the HRV reading between workouts and help decide if you should, you know, go harder in you know the second workout. But what you're saying makes sense. Like unless you did that every day at you know after lunch, you always took another reading or something. Yeah, I think it 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 would be very hard. Yeah, I think it can be interesting. Like more for um, I would say for your curiosity, like you. You could take other readings and see how you're responding. But at that point through the day, there is so many other things going on, even just what you ate or how much coffee you had or all of these parameters will have an influence. That's why I think then deriving conclusions, um, it's a bit hard. So now if I was so stepping away from training, but say I was a busy executive or we'll use Molly as an example, like she's writing all morning and has, um, you know, different calls and stuff to do. Um, so say she, you know, is feeling stressed or something, could she use the app to sort of check in and maybe get some biofeedback on, you know, redu- so, you know raising that? Yeah, definitely. Um, the technology can be applied in this way. So HRV for training uh, is not meant, it's not meant to be used that way, meaning that uh, you can measure only once per day and there is no real um, biofeedback training. But um, yes, definitely you could measure heart rate variability in this context and uh, try to increase it, for example, by doing uh, typically biofeedback exercise include um, deep breathing, for example, that you know you 
you would rest and um, you would increase your heart rate variability with the effect of, uh, of deep breathing and then try to relax that way so that there are some applications that rely on this principle. So we made some other apps which are more generic. Uh, for example, the camera HRV app, which is something that indeed could be used to measure throughout the day if you want to have, if you want to do other spot checks and see how things uh, are evolving. Uh, or you could use it also for biofeedback as it shows still the PPG signals of the blood flow. And then you can see easily how you can modulate it with breathing. So when you breathe out and relax, you would see that uh, the, the, the distance between the consecutive peaks uh, is increasing and it's decreasing when you breathe in. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I forgot actually that you had those other apps too. Um, so I'll link to those other apps as well uh, in the show notes. But uh, that breathing piece is really cool because definitely you need to control that. So the app guides you through breathing while you're taking the measurement in, yeah. in the HRV for training app. But so even that, though, I mean, you could essentially just use that as a, a quick little meditation in the morning. Right. And yeah, um, you could do a longer, um, longer recording, uh, maybe with a. Uh, uh, slower lower breathing. breathing yeah exactly slower breathing yeah. and then uh use it that way and for five minutes meditation definitely now can i you can take multiple readings in a day with hrv for training app can you not so um well it would override the other one so it's really meant to be used only for one reading okay because it'll it'll always overwrite it you're saying yeah because we try to um, let's say enforce this morning routine to make sure that um, you know, you collect that in a way that then it's uh, easy to interpret. Well, easy, maybe not easy, but yes. it's yeah. possible to interpret it. And I then uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, with with free measurements during the day and lack of context, I think um, then it would not be ideal, especially for all the analytics uh, that we try to do on top. Awesome. Great answer. Um, okay, moving on here. So we didn't touch, so there's a separate app and it's a coach app, so it's for mm -hmm. a coach basically can get access to his athletes' daily HRV readings and their the acute and chronic trend information, right? Exactly. So in the coach app, you basically have all the features uh, that each uh, client app has, uh, plus a few extra things and visualizations that should help understanding, again, when uh, physiological data is within what is normal for a specific athlete so that uh, you can spot quickly when things uh, are not within normal range and look at other variables and try to understand uh, why is that and if you can implement some changes. Um, so there is all of that plus the, um, the additional insights and also we just added the possibility, for example, for a coach to configure uh, what tags uh, the athletes would use because some of uh, some of the coaches we are working with uh, would like to have, let's say, a standard uh, questionnaire after the measurement with only the parameters that are relevant to them. So now you can configure those remotely and then your athletes would go through the questions which are uh, relevant for your uh, specific sport as things, you know, change and the app is uh, quite generic. But yeah, that's pretty much what you would get in the Coach App Plus, of course, the possibility to export data for all athletes uh, as many teams then 
use this platform as a way to gather all the data and then uh, include it in uh, some other tools they are using in which they combine other metrics, which again might be relevant to the specific sport uh, they're doing. Awesome. Yeah, I've been using that and uh, I only have a couple athletes on it now, but it's definitely a really good way to get more information. Definitely the struggle is always getting more than just those power files. Um, and getting some context. So like you say, sort of forcing them to put in, how do you feel? How sore are you? Um, and then also getting that physiological data. Um, you know, again, with the camera app, it's, they can actually do it. You know, you don't have the excuses of the, the strap didn't, you know, work or I forgot my strap or I didn't. Yeah, certainly it should, uh, it should help with compliance a lot. Right. Cause all of a sudden, all of a sudden, cause those phones don't leave their hand all day. So you know <laughs> that it's there. Right. So that's, yeah. I mean, the, it makes so much sense. It's it's such such an exciting time with that stuff. Um, so I would encourage people to check out that that coach app if you're in the game of coaching. Um, I think that it's pretty next level stuff to what we've been using for the last many years. Um, just with the online stuff or spreadsheets or whatever, this is you know really leveraging that technology that's available now. Um, and, and the technology, like I say, that's in the hands of the younger athletes that we're using or yeah. that we're or that we're coaching. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so moving on here, when you're looking at HRV and you see people using your app or, you know, just generally with HRV, what are the big mistakes? Like what do people do wrong? Um, let me think. Well, I think, um, well, I'm, I'm not sure what they do wrong, but I think what, what matters a lot is really uh, consistency. So, uh, you know, there is really no wrong uh, body position or breathing type or uh, moment to take the measurement. But what matters is that you do it always in the same way uh, as changing these parameters would uh, impact the data and then it would make little sense uh, if you try to interpret it. So I, I would say consistency is definitely the uh, the key factor to to, to keep um, into account when we start looking at these metrics and we want to measure uh, physiological parameters. So I'm going to do a little bit of a, it's a little weird, but I take mine seated on the toilet, not going to the bathroom, but seated on the toilet in the mm -hmm. morning, right when I wake up. And the reason I do this is that we're always traveling, but I decided long ago that you can lock the door to the bathroom and every toilet's essentially the same. So I was like, I'm going to do this seated on the toilet. Uh -huh. Does that does that make sense? Although weird, does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, perfectly fine. So as long as your your routine is always the same, um, yeah. that works. Awesome. Okay, because I was always like a little, you know, the seated thing. I was told many years ago because when I was laying down, I wasn't getting like really any variation. My heart rate's quite low. I've endurance mm -hmm. trained for you know thousands and thousands of hours. Um, so that's what was suggested. Um, yeah, I, I don't think know. That, that's a good idea, actually. So uh, as uh, for some individuals, um, which are uh, as you endurance athletes and with a very low uh, resting heart rate, uh, typically maybe being sit, uh, yeah, measuring while sitting or uh, or even standing that you introduce that little extra stress on your body uh, is a better way to get um, you know more. Uh, valuable measurements uh, for for hardly viability for your uh, specific case so in general i would say lying down perfectly fine for 
probably 95% of the population. Uh, but if your heart rate is very low, uh, indeed, it's a good idea probably to um, to sit or, uh, or stand while measuring. Now, is there a threshold? Like, would it be, you know, if you can, uh, if you're I laying down and it goes under 40, or do you prefer not yeah, to even say? My understanding is that, yeah, maybe if, if we talk about the, the low 40s, then it's, it's a good idea. Definitely no problem in your 50s, but yeah, maybe not really... Uh, such a clear threshold, but uh, that's more or less what 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 seems to be uh, what people do. Right. Okay. Of the two, I would say sitting may be even better than standing because when you stand, there is always the variable of uh, when did you stand, like how, how much time. Uh, yeah, like are we getting orthostatic right? hypertension? Because then, yeah, exactly. So when you stand, then you need to wait some time, and maybe people get impatient fast. So if you sit, uh, it's probably. I would say the the best uh, you can do in that case. Yeah, and that's what I found. I tried standing for a while, and I just found like between just having stood up and waking up, and then again I have a low you know heart rate, so blood pressure and everything else. Now you're you know passing out, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it just like the consistency was hard because you're always you know are you holding on to something or are you not holding on to something? You know it's. I found seating was seated was good. So, but yeah. I think all my athletes are doing it laying down. I don't really have anyone that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, as overtrained as I've been. So, <laughs> um, awesome. So that's I think the type of reading we got. That um, last thing, did you want to just talk in a bit with pregnancy with this Bloom Life app? So this is another app, your other startup. Yeah. Um, like what, what, like I would expect there to be some changes in HRV through pregnancy. So what, what are, what does the app do? Is it the same as training or just we're training for babies so now or what's up? This is, uh, this is very different actually. So it's similar principle, but we actually make hardware. So it's a sensor that you place um, on the belly uh, with a patch. So something sticky. Um, and uh, let's say, think about, uh, I don't know, halter monitors or uh, cardiac patches that measure uh, cardiac activity from the chest. So this, um, the same technology, I would say, but by filtering data differently and uh, applying some different signal processing um, and, and applying the patch on the belly, then you can measure uh, not only the activity of the heart, but also of the uterus, which is also muscle, right? So. Right by measuring activity of the uterus uh, and in particular uh, contractions. And also we are doing some explorations on measuring um, fetal heart rate and fetal movement also from the same sensor. You can start gathering some of these uh, parameters uh, longitudinally throughout pregnancy. Uh, so we have now this sensor uh, out that we are uh, renting for the, typically the last month of pregnancy uh, when you start feeling contractions. And then we are looking at um, other parameters and running clinical studies over a longer period of time uh, to start uh, relating the things we measure uh, to uh, the pregnancy outcomes. Uh, so that's pretty much what we what we are doing right now. Right. Well, that sounds awesome. Like I say, I will we'll leave that. Try and do that as a teaser, but I'll put the links to the Bloom Life site and app as well into the the show notes so people can track that down and find yeah. out about it um awesome i think that's molly did you have anything that you were wondering about 
Yeah, just one. Uh, how many days would you have to do HRV to develop a baseline? So um, let's say to get an idea of what your values are, I would say even less than a week. But then uh, that just, let's say, your score. But then it's much more interesting when you start looking at uh, longer term trends. So that would require, I would say, between one and two months because in that period, you gather enough data to understand what are normal values for you and normal deviations, and you start also then to understand what is not normal um, and, and to look at more longer-term trends um, and adaptations, which might be more meaningful. There was, uh, there was a study recently, actually, that uh, changed, that basically was doing an intervention based on uh, heart rate viability in, on some... Uh, I think elite runners, um, previously in other studies, they were changing their training plans based on the daily readings. While in this study, they changed their training plans based on the recent trend. So the ones that did not have a positive HRV trend, they would postpone um, intense training blocks by, you know, all the time that you needed for HRV to get back to normal. So these guys eventually trained less because they had their uh, intense workouts postponed many times, but performed better uh, in this racing event where they compared performance between the two groups. So that showed that by looking at trends and you know training in going for intense training blocks only when your body is physiologically ready to do that, uh, eventually improved performance even with reduced training load, which was quite interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. And so definitely showing, uh, like, you know, if we train a little smarter, we don't always have to train harder even. Exactly. Um, um, awesome. That's good. Uh, the only other question I missed as I was going through here was in the app, you do an HRV score. Um, mm -hmm. You can definitely see that actual raw HRV value, but you also do a score. So can you just, I guess, explain to me, and once everyone gets in and using this app, they'll see what I mean. But Daily, you get a score, and that's sort of what we're looking at. So is the score just the HRV value sort of put into an easy-to-understand number, or what is the HRV? Yeah, exactly. So the score you see, what we call in the app recovery points, uh, is basically the same as the... So the, let's say you can quantify heart variability in many different ways, and the one that the sports science community settled on is this number called RMSSD which is also available in the app if you enable the advanced uh, view, let's say. But to translate this number into something which is a bit easier to understand, uh, we do a transformation which makes it uh, fall in a range between, I would say, uh, 5 and 11, something like that. So it looks like in a scale uh, up to 10, even though it can go higher for some people which have very high variability. Um, and this is typically a bit easier to, to understand. Also, it's a logarithmic transformation. So, um, as the data, the RMSSD data is normally skewed and it's not a normal distribution, this makes us the data um, more normal and easier to interpret in different contexts. But it is, I would say, no different than uh, using your, uh, your RMSSD, which is uh, the actual feature which is normally used uh, in studies. So yeah, just a transformation of that that makes it a bit uh, simpler and easier to interpret. Awesome, that's good. That's good to know. Um, you know, I obviously saw it sort of trending the same as the 
root mean squared or the RM. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's a little easier for the athletes to definitely look at it and say, okay, it's eight, it's nine, it's 10, it's 11. Yeah, uh, otherwise you would get some very weird numbers in, uh, I don't know, 200 milliseconds or so it, yeah, this one is a bit, I think easier to, um, to understand. Awesome. That's great. Um, last question we have, we like to finish with, is there any guests or people that you think might fit into this consummate athlete sort of idea? I'm thinking uh, maybe, well, if you want to uh, have another one on uh, um, heart rate variability, maybe with a slightly different uh, perspective, I'm thinking Andrew Flat, which is uh, now a PhD candidate uh, I think at University of uh, Alabama, I'm not completely sure, but he's doing a lot of great work on array variability um, with team sports as well. So it might give you a bit of a different perspective uh, um, as well as in uh, strength and power, so not necessarily endurance. Um, so I think it would be maybe quite complementary to a few of the things we discussed. Awesome. Great. I'll look him up and uh, we'll, we'll see if he's up for it. Great. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you guys. I, I know you have a ton going on, so I'll let you go get at it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye. 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 Huge thank you to Marco for being on our podcast, and we hope you enjoyed listening to his and Peter's chat today. I know it got a little deep into the science side of things, but hopefully you learned a bit, and you know we really feel like the, the science behind it is sort of how we can make our way to this idea of the consummate athlete. Uh, if we know how to train for our proper stresses and you know we can avoid overtraining or you know training when we should be resting, then that actually helps make us better all-around athletes. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast, so feel free to comment on the show notes page over at consummateathlete.com or tweet at myself, uh, at Molly J. Herford, or at Peter, uh, at Peter Glassford. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time.